welcome to Esker Live. I am Hannah and I will be helping moderate today's live stream. We're tuning in from Madison, Wisconsin. So if you're tuning in from somewhere else, drop it in the comments, let us know. Our presenters today are some of my fellow Eskerians, Becky Mender, a customer advocate on our CX team, and Jeremy Dukers, a business development manager on our sales team. In today's live stream, they will be discussing how you can empower your customer service team and boost not only your customer experience, but your employees' experience as well. So if you have any questions throughout today's live stream, feel free to drop them in the comment section and we will address them during the Q&A portion of this live stream. So without further ado, Becky, Jeremy, take it away. All right. Great. Well, uh, thanks for uh, for tuning in here. Um, as Hannah mentioned, my name is Jeremy Dukers. I've been with Esker for uh, for almost ten years now, and uh, in different roles within our sales organization. But the the one thing is remained constant throughout that time is working with organizations, um, large, small, and everything in between, uh, to really help their order to cash uh, functions and get the most out of their staff, get the most out of their processes so that they can be profitable companies and they can be around for many, many years. Um, we're, Becky and I are gonna chat a little bit about um, how organizations view their customer service teams, their order admins, basically your front line of customer service, um, how to empower them uh, with te technology, um, how to keep them happy, how to keep them productive. And, uh, and it should be a good content between Becky and I, we've got a lot of experience in this arena. So I'm, uh, I'm really excited to, to dive into the material. Yeah, so hi everyone. My name is Becky Mender and I am a customer advocate on our customer experience team. I've been at Esker for almost 15 years. I have absolutely no idea how that happened. Jeremy and I haven't aged a day, um, but we've worked together very closely for a really long time and I'm super excited to talk about this. Um, just to let you know what a customer advocate is. Um, so I work with customers post-implementation. So um, uh, mainly to make sure that you know that you have a point of contact that you can reach out to. But also one of my favorite things to work on with customers is process improvement activities. So helping you to achieve your goals, um, maybe free up more time for your customer service team to be able to interact with their, your customer or to be able to perform customer experience activities. Um, so I'm, I'm looking forward to, uh, to, to getting to share some of this information today. I'm glad you said that too, Becky, the, the whole proactivity and, and customer experience, because what we're seeing it more and more now. And once upon a time, Esker as an organization had customer service in the way of, oh, okay, yeah, you can contact your sales rep, but yeah, I can tell you sales reps are not the quickest people to get back uh, to emails and, and return phone calls. So it, we got to a point where it's like, all right, we're only hearing from our customers post go live when something's broken. It's not a great way to uh, to develop relationships and partnerships with your customers when you're really just kind of like, all right, well, we got you all set up. Uh, good luck. 
and call us if, if something's broken. I, I feel bad for our, our tech support teams because nobody ever calls and says, hey, everything's going really well. No, they usually call, they're angry, they're frustrated, they're afraid, they're like, what am I gonna do now? Um, so it brings me to a, a, a quote that I've used for many, many years. And this is this is a bit older and in just a second, you'll see um, how old, but um, I always like to bring it up in, in conversations. And it's it was a study that was done by, I can't remember who, and maybe I'm uh, by not acknowledging them breaking some copyright laws here, but the, the gist of it was um, by 2020, customer experience will overtake price and product as the primary brand differentiators in the market, no matter what industry, no matter what, you know. So um, I thought we'd really kick things off diving into that. Now, we're two years past 2020. I think this has absolutely come true that people can get a, a widget or a service that hundreds of other companies are providing, and then you're competing on price, but really, how do you how do you extend the value? How do you justify a price to a customer if all you've got to to rest your your head on uh, is is well my my product is better, my service is better? Well, yeah, everybody's going to say that. But what do you think about that, Becky? Yeah, so I'm really glad that you brought that up because you know prior to four or five years ago joining the customer experience team and even launching a customer experience team, I was in sales as well. And I thought I knew what account management and what to expect um, when I joined the customer ex uh, experience team would be because we got questions on invoices, um, their invoice from Esker, um, you know, maybe super general questions, but absolutely nothing to the level of questions that I receive today. So um, I think that this is a key differentiator um, uh, with organizations that have this type of um, program in place, because it's not necessarily that the solution is broken. You're right. If something's broken, go ahead and call, uh, open up a support case with our tech support team. A lot of the questions that um, I get are around, how is this supposed to work? How can we do things better? How can I um, figure out, report on um, how well my teams are doing? Um, you know, um, are we making progress towards our overall goals? Where are the bottlenecks so that we can make sure that this process runs efficiently as possible and that our CSRs are happy because happy employees are therefore going to make for better customer experience. There, it's just, it's going to exude out of them. So um, that's something that I never anticipated um, when uh, implementing this team. Um, but I don't know where we would be if we didn't have this, this support avenue for our customers. Yeah, yeah. I think as, as companies, and again, no matter what size, want to scale out, get bigger, grow, um, this is a key area for them to look at because it's not just a group of robots that are processing orders. That typically what I see is, uh, and I know you've seen this too, customer service wears so many different hats. So when you talk about your experience and well, hey, they're calling up saying, I have this really simple question versus what you're seeing now is, 
I want more. I expect more out of my team. How can you help me do that, Becky? How can I get more out of the technology that I'm using? That lends itself to um, looking at customer service in a very different light. I had uh, a company I previously worked for where I was in a long time ago, uh, where, where we had the CFO giving tours and he would bring potential customers or current customers through our area. And he breezed through, but not before he said, this is customer service, they take orders. And that made me feel about that small. Anytime I heard, especially a, a, a big leader executive like that, whittle my job down to I take orders because I knew I'm not only taking orders, I'm upselling, I'm tracking orders, I'm providing product information, product knowledge, advising our customers. And that's a lot of what I see when people are looking at technology and how they can utilize that in their in their own processes, in their own business, in their own industries, because the, the realization is you can't put it all on one person and not give them the tools to succeed. So um, I, I love the fact that people are coming to us and saying, well, I want to get more out of my customer service team. I want them to succeed. I want to give them a path uh, because I think the, the days of I want to come in and just punch data into a, a terminal all day, gone. I mean, especially with younger younger generations joining the workforce, none of them, and this is a generalization, but I feel pretty confident saying it. None of them want to do that anymore. They want more interest. They want more to do and they want to grow. Um, I, I mean, who are the people that you are talking to in management positions? You know, what, what's their perspective on having the technology in place? Yeah, really great question, Jeremy. So, um, and you've probably seen this a little bit from both being a customer service rep as well as, um, you know, working with your customers pre-sales and really trying to dive in and, and get to know the current manual process. Um, I've also had an opportunity to go on site or to um, do, you know, a, a screen sharing session with CSRs, um, be able to talk to them, um, you know, watch them work. And honestly, I am blown away every single time I have an opportunity to work with a customer service team because they are so knowledgeable. They have the most knowledge about your products, about your customers, what your customers like, what they don't like, what they have to include on the order in order for them to pay, um, temperament. I mean, there's so much information that these people know. And you kind of hit the nail on the head that a lot of times I think people still perceive this position as just data entry, as we can get anybody to just key in these orders. It's not mm -hmm. a big deal. What thought has to go into that, right? Mm -hmm. um, I think sometimes that's very, you know, from the top. Customer service managers that I work with, they know that's not the case. They know that their team is amazing. Um, we've been asking people for a really long time to do more with less. And it just comes to a point where we have to give them the tools to be able to do more with the time that they have. Um, so eliminating the manual data entry with an automation solution 
it's not to say that they're never going to have to view their orders. They're, they're still going to have to. They know a lot about that customer. There's probably other places where they're getting information from, but it should shrink down that time from, oh my gosh, it gives me so much anxiety to think about um, having to key in one line into an ERP system, let alone a hundred different lines. So, you know, giving them technology to be able to do their jobs better, as well as to be able to be looked at with more respect and, 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 and more light, um, I think is only going to benefit every company. Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like automation isn't really the best word to use when you talk about this type of AI technology. Um, I certainly don't like using it willy nilly because automation, it means something different to everybody. And when I'm working with, with different managers, directors, C-levels, it always comes back to what do you want to do? What, what's the end game? What's the end goal? If it's just taking out one challenge, one pain point, okay, yeah, you, we could probably automate that out. But when you look at an order management process as a whole and the different facets that are there, um, you have to break it down by what's your process, what do your customers need, what do you want for your teams, and then treat automation more as an enablement tool to, yes, automate the manual stuff, but there are so many other things automation tools, enablement tools can do for the people that are using them that it's almost um, a little naive to think that nowadays automation is just gonna replace a team because you're right. There's You have to look at automation is fueled by a machine. Machines are not infallible. They make mistakes. Um, so to have that human interaction, that human intervention that's still possible that's massive for risk reduction, cost savings, because what is the cost of an error? I see it all the time when we, we talk about um, highly specialized industries like med device, for example. I've worked with companies where they employ higher degreed people, master's degrees, PhDs even in customer service because their products are very specialized and they have to have a knowledgeable person behind the wheel advising their customers on how they use it. So then when you say, well, I want to do that. I want, I want you to join my team. I'm going to pay you a lot because you've got a master's degree. Um, but then 80% of their day ends up being punching orders into a, a, a an ERP system. Um, that's a waste for the, the customer service rep. That's a waste for the company. You're severely underutilizing the talent you have on staff. And it's not just med device. There are other specialized industries, even food and bev, where they have to be knowledgeable about the food because once it leaves their docks, it's not coming back. It's food. It can't. We've got government agencies that say you can only do these certain things. So it, it really takes an elevated individual to manage these processes and manage them successfully. Otherwise you, you lose to competition, you lose customers. And uh, it's just, uh, it's amazing to see what people can do when they're given the right tools to help them succeed in their job. So it's, and that's, that's a big part of what your, your, your responsibilities are now working with our customers, right? Is getting the most out of the automation tool that you can. Yeah, definitely. So, I mean, there's only so much that we can initially 
train customers on. And not only that, how much sticks when you're learning a brand new tool. So, um, you know, we get them the basics, we get them proficient on that. But there's a lot of other functionality that could potentially be utilized, or maybe they don't recall um, a, a key piece of the tool that they're not currently utilizing that they could very easily start that would make uh, their job go a lot faster. Um, so that's definitely a lot of conversations that I have. Um, and especially like if I have the opportunity to watch users work, um, it's really eye-opening because I can then um, make suggestions um, based on what they're doing and um, you know ways that I think would be able to improve the process. Yeah. Yeah. And I think process is the key term here. And there are many, many processes within a whole cash conversion cycle. So if we take order to cash, that's another great piece that we can talk about is the uh, the existence of silos. And everybody talks about we want to break down silos and we want to boost employee morale. Well, how is the technology that companies are buying playing into that that ultimate goal? Um, if we're just talking about order being processed, there's other pieces flowing downstream that are going to be impacted by that. So the, the the tools that that companies are investing in, I'm finding more and more they're looking for tools that foster an environment of collaboration. So if I get an order that comes in, I'm putting it into into the system, or I'm putting it through my automation tool, and up pops a message can't process this, this customer's on credit hold. Well, now what do I do? Do I send an email into the black hole that is credit management and the <laughs> AR team and say, okay, I've, I, I got this, do something about it. Well, okay, while I'm waiting, I could have my customer going, do you get the order? I need it tomorrow. I need it, you know, whatever. If we're talking med device, did you get the order? There's a patient waiting in a hospital room somewhere. They need this device and, oh, I'm sorry. You're going to have to tell them, wait, you're on credit hold. And I, I've done my job in passing the buck along. So, you know, collaboration tools within automation, that's huge too. And right there, that's where we're showing that you can't eliminate people from. It's not the scary term of automation, like oh, I'm going to get automated out of my job or whatever, which I know has been the, uh, the attitude for years and years. I think now as, as people are, are becoming more and more um, educated on what this industry has to offer, um, you see less and less of that. But I, I, I don't know. What, what do you think about, um, you know, collaboration within automation tools? Yeah, I think, um, I mean, if you think of a manual process, um, and I mean, I used to receive faxes back in the day. <laughs> um, and they're not, they gone. Came they're in, not gone. <laughs> they're not gone. They came in on a physical fax machine. So someone would have to walk to that fax machine, distribute it to the correct person, and then it sat on my desk until I had to enter that. So if you think about the manual or yeah, the manual process, there's no visibility. How do you know in this stack of paper or in your email box what has been processed, what hasn't been processed, what is a priority customer, what is something that needs to be shipped overnight, what is waiting for a surgery? <laughs> um, so by getting your documents into some sort of an automation solution, you get instant visibility. 
And it's not just for your customer service team. You can get uh, give visibility to your warehouse management team. Maybe they would like to know how many orders have yet to be processed so that they can figure out how many people do they still need in the warehouse to get those orders out same day. Mm -hmm. um, maybe um, accounting people do need access to different information. Um, they might have questions to answer downstream about um, why am I being invoiced for something. They could very easily be given read-only access to the system so that they can pull up orders, but they can't be placing them. Um, there's also a lot of other collaboration, like you said, um, if a company was to look at automating like the whole order to cash process then there would be more information available to be able to say, okay, this customer is on credit hold, let's see what's going on, all while processing the order. Um, but I still think it, it, it does wonders for breaking down silos because we can give access to anyone who needs to be able to see even just the order portion. Yeah, yeah, and it gets people speaking the same language, whether or not you're in customer service, somebody on the accounts receivable team, somebody in supply chain purchasing. I mean, the priority management is huge when we're talking about warehouses, distribution centers that are, are, are you know, they're using the just-in-time method for, um, for management style as in terms of like, when am I ordering gear in? When am I going to have a finished product on the shelf? Things like that where um, I, I can think of many times where um, – processing orders for my customers, I'd get an order, I'd go to the fax machine, I'd pull it off, and then I'd put it on my desk. And then, well, all right, it's lunchtime. I didn't look at the order to realize it says high pry, need next day. UPS read this to me. Otherwise, my <laughs> life is it's going to be over if I don't get this tomorrow. Well, I get to the end of the day, ah, I didn't get to it. And I look at it, I'm like, I just missed the shipping cutoff time because I didn't look at it. Whereas if you've got an automation tool that's going to scan that kind of document, flag it as high priority. I know, okay, I'm going to go to lunch 10 minutes later. I'm going to get this order in. Then it's going to do what it does because there are so many steps following just my bit of the process that, that need to happen. So um, I, companies have to work as well-oiled machines nowadays in order to deal with inventory issues, supply chain slowdowns, uh, not enough people working. I, I, that's something that I've seen, I don't know, well, since the pandemic, you know, nobody's working. I can't, I've got recs open for six months to a year. I can't hire anybody. Nobody wants to work. So imagine what that does for a warehouse crew or a manufacturing line that's got to get all these orders out in a you know certain set of time. And there's only a finite number of people to do that. So, I mean, that planning through visibility is huge, managing the priorities so you can take care of customers that really need it and maybe get on the phone with others and say, you get me this order, can we get it to you at the end of the week or something like that. But that all becomes empowering for the customer service team because they've got data to work off of. They've got information to use and it's not just a static order comes in, it goes into the ERP, order goes out. You know it, I know it. Everybody listening or watching knows it, that there is way more to it. And if it were that easy, you know, I, I think of the analogy of like a worm, you know, digestive tract of a worm. If <laughs> order to cash processes were that simple, oh yeah, you could place a robot in there and anybody could 
turn the lights out and go home, but it just doesn't happen that way. So um, I think we're getting to the the end of our time here where uh, people might be, uh, might be getting a little, little uh, eager to do something else. <laughs> so uh, I don't know if there are questions that have come through Hannah, any, anybody, anybody finding interest in what we were talking about over the last 25 minutes here? Or? Yeah, actually, we do have a few questions. I just want to say a quick thank you to you guys. It was great. Um, and um, these questions are pretty interesting. So um, let's just dive right in. Um, we have the first question. So with all of today's supply chain challenges, my team is under a lot of pressure just to fulfill orders. Is now really the time to consider a digital transformation project? Yeah, I think. Well, yes, the the right time is now for anything. But if you take a pragmatic look at things, no, is there ever a good time to do something when you've got a process that's eh, kind of working? It's not broken for sure, but there's there are ways that I've seen people, management teams, organizations approach digital transformation projects. It's a daunting uh, outlook to see, okay, I'm going to have to dedicate this many resources, this much money, this much time. The nice thing about different automation tools out there is you don't always have to go with the big bang. You can start small. You can focus on your high volume customers and work on creating more and more automation for those, but then finding a tool that's going to learn on the fly uh, for those customers that are just sending you orders once, maybe twice a year, you still want to automate that stuff or still bring it into the order channel where there's 100% visibility. Um, but there are ways to just bite off little chunks of automation without having to jump full steam ahead into, into a, a big project where um, you, know, you get into a, a situation where it's like, well, if we're going to do this, then we better automate this process and that it can easily get out of hand and, and just get away from you. But um, the, the, the challenge that customer service teams are going to have now is if they don't do something to change the way they're interacting with their customers, providing better customer experience, they're going to find themselves lagging behind the competition, maybe even out of business. That would be worst case scenario. But I, I think proper planning and resource allocation and then just prioritizing what's the most important, where can I get the most value, and then move on from there. Yeah, absolutely. And I liked your point of just taking small steps. Don't look at the big, huge, prod, daunting project in front of you. Just break it up into steps um, is a good way to get started. Um, so another question we have is, how can automation help break down silos in customer service? Yeah, so I can take this one. Um, we touched on this a little bit, but um, if we look just at um, some of the examples that we had discussed, um, there could uh, be silos between customer service and different departments, or there could even be silos within the customer service team. So a lot of organizations have their orders coming into a single email box, but that doesn't mean that ABC company didn't get a hold of Jeremy's personal email address, personal work email address, and is sending orders directly to him or directly to me, um, you know, because they get faster service, they really like working with us, whatnot. 
Well, what happens when Jeremy goes to lunch, he goes on holiday and those orders are just sitting there. Well, that's a silo um, that we can't get to, but automation would provide that instant visibility to be able to show how many orders are in there. If Jeremy's out, if he has a whole bunch of customers ordering that day, someone else can very quickly jump in and be able to help with those orders. Um, we also have a lot of customers that um, instead of just assigning uh, certain customers to a CSR, um, they just kind of round robin. The advantage to that is everyone becomes familiar with those customers. So there's not a silo of information that only sits with Jeremy. Um, I get some of it as well. You get some of it as well, Hannah, so that we're all able to service that customer better and provide an overall better experience. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, and then I think we have, this is the last question. And it is, we have customers who order from us, but use different terms, rushed freight versus next day air, for example. What's the best way for our CS team to try and get all our customers to use the same term? Or is there a different way that they could combat this? Yeah. Go ahead, Becky. <laughs> oh, no worries. Uh, we probably have uh, different perspectives on this. And I think there's a few different ways that we can look at this. Um, so one, um, I think part of customer uh, experience and, you know, I've been kind of seeing this, um, you know, in different publications over the years is, you know, letting customers submit the way that they're, um, that they're used to submitting, um, not necessarily having to change things on their side. Um, so if this is um, something where the customer is using certain words and there's not a negative impact, I wouldn't say that there's anything that needs to be changed. Um, we did just recently do a case study with a customer who was very negatively impacted by some of these key uh, different words that a customer was using because rushed freight might mean one uh, thing to one customer, but it might mean a different delivery method to another customer. And if they delivered incorrectly, that was a big issue. Um, so what they ended up doing was um, they had their customers start um, submitting orders into a portal where they had to um, select from a drop down that had very um, finite list of words <laughs> so that if they picked rush freight, there were no questions about what that meant. Um, so that's something that could be um, that could be implemented as well as long as it's sold to the customer and what the benefits are to them to be uh, to making changes. Jeremy, what are your thoughts? I was just going to say, there's no good way to, to, to get them to stop <laughs> using, but you hit it, you hit it on the head though. Uh, in customer service, like you want to make your customers feel like they don't have to change and that you're easy to do business with. So creating standards, I'm all for it. It has to be done. But at a certain point, I feel like we're just fighting it. You know, standards, nobody has a standard way of doing it. And we've seen different technologies come out where it's like, create a standard. People want flexibility. They want to be able to, to behave at work the way they do at home. And in, in our own personal consumer worlds, we want to just do things the way we want to do them. So I think you're right on. Make it easy. Don't make them change if you can't. I mean, obviously, if you've got a relationship and you want to you say, hey, can you, can you maybe change this? And here's why I'm asking. 
great, do it. But I think to roll something like that out across your entire customer base and say, you guys need to do it this way, they're going to find your competitor down the street and go, yeah, they didn't make me change. <laughs> yeah, very few companies are probably big enough to be able to mandate a change with no explanation <laughs> right. and not losing right. customers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, awesome. Thank you, everybody who joined today's live stream. Thank you, Becky, Jeremy. It was awesome. Really great insights. And if you have any questions, you can reach out to Becky or Jeremy on LinkedIn or reach out to us, Esker, at esker.com. So if you're interested in our live streams, we'll have another one in August around the accounts payable KPIs that you should be measuring. Um, but thank you again for everyone who joined. See ya. Bye, everyone. Bye.